Should we, should we just pray together as um, we get ready? Father God, we thank you, Lord, we can declare those words, my Redeemer lives. Lord, that is the truth. That is the truth, Lord, that keeps us going. Lord, that is the, the foundation of our faith. Without the resurrection of Christ, we are to be pitied above all people. Father God, without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith is futile. Our hope is pointless. Lord, we're totally lost. So, Lord, we thank you that our Redeemer lives. We shout hallelujah because the truth is that Jesus is alive. And Lord, we come to worship him. We come to worship our God this morning because he is a living saviour. Father God, we're allowed in your presence because of the goodness of your love. Lord, shown at the cross of your son and the filling of us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, may you be with us now as we look at your word together. May you bless our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. On the 28th of January, 1986... 73 seconds after liftoff, the most awful, terrible thing occurred. The shuttle Challenger simply exploded. Years of meticulous planning, every detail been worked through two, three, four, maybe 20 different times, just gone in an instant. Don't worry. I wonder what on earth could have caused such a tragedy all those years ago, an explosion that killed the crew instantly, of course, in front of millions and millions of people watching. What had gone horribly wrong? An O-ring. On the right side of the solid booster rocket had failed. It wasn't up to scratch, it wasn't up to standard. And that one little thing, just six inches thick, caused pressured gas to leak, which would begin a chain reaction that would end in terrible tragedy in front of a watching world and the reason I tell you that story isn't to remind you of something so awful it's because that huge shuttle was brought down by something relatively minor something relatively smaller you probably already know what I'm about to say next as we continue our thoughts on sin this week isn't this a heartbreaking analogy of the life of many people on this planet one little sin can bring down a whole well-planned-out life. One little sin, a thought, a desire, a wrong action can grow and grow and take hold of your emotions and your mind and your heart and then your soul, it can enslave you until there is nothing left but destruction and what was once something so beautiful. Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse 17, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. And there is nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Sin never stays hidden. I urge you, uh, if you struggle with a particular sin this morning that you know is growing inside of you, that you've tried desperately to ignore and put a brave face on, and Monday I'll do it all differently. If that's you and that's growing in you, I urge you actually to find a Christian that you trust as an accountability partner. It might be an emotion or something you look at or something you do or something else. I won't even name them. But if it's growing inside of you and beginning to change your character and your perspective and your outlook and your priorities and your faith, you need to find someone and have the very awkward, honest conversation and say, this is me, help. And allow that person to be your shoulder and your strength and your accountability. 
because sin doesn't stay hidden for very long. Numbers 32, verse 23, whilst talking about the Israelites and their uh, relationship to the law of God, says this, but if you fail to do this, the law, you will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Our sin always finds us out, doesn't it? I know you all, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, fans. Serious? Let's try that again. I know all, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, fans. Yeah, shame on you. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I love it, actually. Ant and Decker, he, hilarious. Anyway, um, Jack Maynard, 22 years old. The world at his feet. Millions of followers on uh, YouTube. Some of you may not know what that is. On YouTube. Very famous. This is all the celebrities are being uh, groomed, uh, sort of birthed over here in YouTube. Millions of followers and subscribers. Extremely popular with anyone under the age of about 13. Um, very popular. Goes and I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Very going down well with the public. They've even got him rom- lined up for a bit of romance with Toff, I think it was. Anyway, we won't get stuck into that. But he's left. Second day he left. Why? Because six years ago, six years ago, 16 years old, he put things on social media that he shouldn't have done. He made comments he shouldn't have made, and he said things he shouldn't have done, which he's admitted, and he freely says was terrible. 16 years old. 16. He's 22. And he's now had to go in shame. His sin has found him out. Don't get me wrong. I'm making no comment about Jack Maynard. But it is a sobering message for our young people, isn't it? That they are only, they need to think before they tweet or snap or insta. That's right, I know what that means. They need to think twice before they share. Because most of our young people are just a screenshot on somebody else's phone away from trouble. If we have children, we need to get that into their heads. And it is a world difficult task. It really is. So last week we looked at sin. We looked at what it is. What is sin? That was the question we asked. And we saw last week that sin is anything that we do, anything we think, anything we prioritise that's not in line with God's perfect ways. It isn't just crime according to British law. It's anything that falls short of what God has already said is according to his perfection. And today we're going to carry on with this look at sin. And we're going to ask a second question. Not what is sin, what is sin, but what does sin do? What does it do to me when I break the law of God? What happens to me? And we're going to go right the way back to Genesis chapter 3, as Dave's already read to us. And then we're going to look at the very first sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Now I have a bone to pick with you. That's right. Last week I told a joke which none of you seem to get, which upset me. I said, what's the opposite of sin? Sat. Sin is Obviously, being from Essex, I got it immediately, and you're obviously far too refined on a Sunday morning. So I had a whole load of you wouldn't Adam and Eve type jokes, but forget it. I'm not even bothering. Actually, I will tell you one Adam and Eve joke. Um, I'll tell you one joke. Uh, what excuse did Adam give to his children as to why they no longer lived in Eden? It's because your mother ate us out of house and home. Anyway, moving on really quickly. So I read the verses earlier on. Thank you, Dave. Um, And it'd be good to have them open. It's page five of the uh, church Bible if you've got one. If you want to grab one, they're just out in the back there. Uh, But Genesis chapter three, verses one to ten. We're just going to look at this 
uh, from it. I won't read them again, but you know the story. They're there, everything's good. The devil comes in and says, you know, eat. And Eve says, no, no, God says don't. I'm not allowed to. Oh, come on. And so she eats, she gives some to Adam, and then that's the first sin. Humanity completely falls apart. This is a tragic moment, the most tragic moment in the Bible, actually. It is genuinely heartbreaking to read. Adam and Eve are perfect. They're alive, more alive than any of us ever will be, this side of heaven and our death as we go off to heaven. They're walking in paradise with God, literally with God. They see him, they talk to him in the Garden of Eden. They're more alive, more spiritually alive than any of us ever have been, even on our best days. Everything is good. They're good. Everything is theirs. The only command, one command, do what you like. Enjoy my world just don't eat that fruit from that tree. That's all you've got to do. That's their only command. And then the devil slinks up, doesn't he? And he whispers those words of deceit that you've heard, and so have I. Did God really say? In other words, really? Don't eat it? Are you sure? Really? How many times has he whispered those words about sin? Go on, just do it. Who cares? You know you want to everybody else does it won't really affect you god will still love you because god's gracious he can't help it so it doesn't really matter you can say sorry tomorrow and fix it next week fix it next week or next week and next week he's always the guy about next week where god's the god of today isn't he and so he whispers those things and we reach out thinking well maybe it'll be all right for us And it never is. How many lives, how many marriages, how many jobs, how many bodies, how many minds have been ruined when we willingly give in to temptation from Satan himself? As Eve reached for that fruit and gave some willingly to her husband who took it willingly and ate it, everything changed. It didn't just change for those two in the Garden of Eden, it changed for all of humanity because we were in them. They were the first two human beings. Yes, the first two human beings. And we came from them. We were in them genetically. So their sin became our sin, passed down from generation to generation. And so what we see in Genesis chapter 3 and these first effects of sin can tell us and answer that question as to what sin does. Let me read verses 6 to 10 as we get to our first point. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the ground. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Almost immediately, Adam and Eve change as they eat that fruit, as they sin. Up until this point, their focus has been God and his world. But here, the focus shifts. The first effect of sin is they stop being others-centered and God-centered. They become self-centered. The word they in verse 7 is used three times. They, they, they. No longer them or God. It's they, they, they. They no longer think of anything except their feelings, their needs, their wants. And isn't that worth stopping and thinking about for a few minutes? 
Aren't most people, if we're really honest, more concerned with self than they are with others? More concerned with what we want and our desires than those of other people. The Bible says to put other people's needs above our own. That's what God says. I should be thinking about all of you before I think about me. And, it's, and isn't that really the root of so much pain on earth? We talk about me time, don't we? Not them time or God time, but me time. We all have iPhones. Well, some of us have iPhones. Some of us have got Android because we don't follow the crowd. No offence, Gavin. But, and uh, some of our phones go off when they shouldn't, which I do apologise for. Um, but we have iPhones and iPads, don't we? Um, we used to have MySpace social accounts back in the dark ages before Facebook took over. Uh, we share our photos on social media, except we don't share our photos on social media, do we? What do we share on photos on social media? Not all the wonderful places we visited. No, we share all the wonderful places we visited with our face in the way. Actually, most people's social media things are full of their face in front of a wonderful monument. Now, I'm not criticising the selfie, but I must tell you a story that summed up where the human race is going. Me and Andrew went to, and the kids, we took them, went to California, went to Yosemite a few years ago, and there's Half Dome, uh, which is a big mountain, it's in half. Anyway, and, uh, and you stop at this car park, and we took photos of the mountain, very weird. We weren't in it at all. I think we had one family shot, but we actually took photos of what God had made. Anyway, and, and there was a, a family that got out of their car, and most people, of course, were Half Dome's there, by the way, uh, taking photos of themselves with sort of Half Dome somewhere vaguely in the background. And uh, there was one family who stood facing Half Dome, and this is not a lie, and they got their camera, and I thought, oh, they're going to take a normal photo. And then they took a selfie, Half Dome's this way, so of trees behind them, not of the mountain. And I thought, how sad. You're going to get home, and you're going to think, where was that? <laughs> Could be anywhere. We've become selfishness to coin a phrase there we are sorry um but when god built us atom by atom by atom it was to be others focused to be god sent that's how you're built and isn't war a tragic evil logical conclusion of selfishness i want and i don't care what i do to get Sin preaches me, myself, and I. Sin drags us from our God, destroys our perspective, destroys our relationships. I wonder today, do you or I need to repent before our God of the sin of selfishness or self-centeredness before we get everything we've ever wanted and have no one to share it with? Somebody once wrote, the problem with some self-made men is they have a tendency to worship their creator. And so what happened to Adam and Eve with this new sense of self? Well, they became miserable very quickly. They experienced shame, self-consciousness, were naked. Uh, they suddenly felt fear for the first time and they hid. And don't most humans hide everything from each other? Emotions, mistakes, flaws, now can't we hide them, don't we? We've been hiding since Genesis chapter 3, and we also hide from God. How many people run from God when they can feel him tapping them on their shoulder or calling their name? Somebody wrote an article a few years ago titled, How to be Miserable. Please don't take notes. <laughs> How to be Miserable. And this is what this article said. This is how to be miserable. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily for what people say about you. 
Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on absolutely everything. Sulk if people are not grateful to you for the favours you have shown them. Never forget a service you have rendered. Shirk your duties if you can. Do as little as possible for other people. Leading a life that is contrary to God will make you miserable. That's the first thing, that sin... um, makes us self-focused. The second thing sin does is separate us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It's quite serious. In fact, let me have two volunteers. Um, I better not pick, I'm going to pick stuff from the back this time. Um, Gareth, can I borrow you sitting right in the back? And uh, Let's see. Georgia, do you mind? Sorry, you're, sitting, oh, you're in the middle. That's not very really helpful. See, people, I'm, doing, I'm going to do this from now on because I notice that you all go near the back thinking that this is the danger area. <laughs> and it really isn't. That's now, the, the back is now, under the balcony is now the danger zone, just so you know, just so you're aware at the back, the last four rows. So, um, oh, I should have thought about, never mind. Um, I should have thought this through. No, that's okay. That's okay. So. Okay, that's very close, isn't it? Sorry. So, this is how it's supposed to... Oh, have you got, oh yeah, I will take it. Yeah, thank you. This, this is how life was when God made Adam and Eve. So Georgia is humanity. So you can wave if you like, humanity. And Gareth is God, obviously. Um, <laughs> and so when God made us, this is how it was supposed to be. I'm sorry, they're both so close. Uh, <laughs> very awkward. Uh, I'll make it last longer. Anyway, um, so this is how God made us. And God is, of course, the source of everything good, everything right, everything pure, everything holy. And so, of course, humanity was built to be in the presence of this God because you too were good. You too were right. You too were holy and righteous in every single way. But then sin comes, of course. And God and man are completely separated. And this massive gulf exists between the two. And, of course, man over here just can't get to God. And God isn't really allowed to just pretend this sin hasn't happened there's a big problem, a gaping hole and so what does man do? pretends that God doesn't really exist sorry, sorry, Georgia, get me back one day anyway, pretend that God doesn't really exist and most of us just sort of are born thinking maybe there's something over here but I'm not really sure but what we do is we camp out over here where it's rubbish and there's death and there's darkness and so we build our houses and we get our jobs you can turn around a bit, sorry and uh, we do all these things hoping that we can make a nice life for ourselves but secretly knowing that it's not really where we're supposed to be when we should be over here with our God and that's what the gospel is that God sends his son so that we can bring both together. I was meant to be the bit in the middle there. You can go and sit down. Thank you. And so the point is, when we're living over there, we're living a half-life. We're living an almost-life, a non-life. And we all know it. We just don't really want to say it. 
We like to pretend that everything's going quite well because we're not born built for that. We're built to be in the presence of God. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus died that we could be in the presence of God. That's where life is. That's where joy is. That's where forgiveness and resurrection are. Jesus says in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But that's only experienced in the presence of God. I wonder this morning, are you really living as a human being? Perhaps you're a Christian this morning and you think, I'm not really living. What am I doing wrong? I urge you to take a look at your life. Ask yourself where God is in the process. Perhaps you need to simply rediscover the cross and the joy of worship and prayer and reading the Bible. Maybe you need to sit down with someone again and just say, where am I going wrong? Be honest. And have a think of your priorities. Have a think of the self bit and whether you're so worried by you that you've forgotten to where God fits in. Maybe you need to look at that. Maybe you're not a Christian this morning. Are you sure you're really living? Is there not more to life than this? I urge you to be bold if you're not a Christian because it's real bravery to have a look at Jesus Christ for yourself. The third effect of sin. So we've got um, self-centeredness, separation from God. And the third thing is death. Just to really cheer you up. God said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 verse 17, You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, eat from it, you will certainly die. And as Zoe rightly said, they didn't drop down dead. But physical death became a reality in that garden. We're not supposed to die. We're not supposed to physically die. We're not supposed to spiritually die. We're supposed to live forever. We're supposed to be forever in the presence of God. And so as they ate that fruit, death became the final note on every life that was born. But thanks be to God, Christ has given us resurrection through the grave. So death is no longer the final question mark on my life. But they did die spiritually in that garden. John 8, 34, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Not only are we separated from God and lost, we're in a straitjacket of sin, born that way, and we cannot get it off. We do our very best. Adam and Eve were broken inside. They're now people of fear, brokenness, and lost, just as we are, as their direct descendants. And when Jesus walked the earth, he wept at the sight of human beings who were so broken. And in fact, he described them at one point as like sheep without a shepherd. Death reigns in our soul without Jesus Christ. And we paper over the cracks as human beings, but we know deep down we are not happy. We are not whole. We're just not sure why. Sin, living contrary to God, being self-centered and not God-centered, drives us from everything that's good. And Romans 5 and 6 tells us over and over that death has reigned in mankind, physical and spiritually, that sin leads to death on the inside right now and for eternity as an eternal state as we reject our God. However, it doesn't end there, does it? Thanks be to God, there is good news. He has done something about it. Pitch 
So once again, he sent his light to dwell on earth. To become Emmanuel, God with us. To teach us, to heal us, and save us from the terrible wages of sin. But where he preached peace, he was met with hostility. Where he preached love, hatred burned against him. Where he preached forgiveness, his enemies cried out for execution. He was arrested, tortured, and sentenced to death as a criminal. With nails in his hands, Jesus bore the unfathomable weight of our sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. They assigned him a grave with the wicked and sealed his tomb with a stone. Darkness reigned over the land once more as hope seemed to vanish. But on the third day, his light pierced the shadows. His power shook the earth. The Son of God rose, declaring victory over death and throwing wide the gates of heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. His love still calls to us. His grace still covers us. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Christ.
story in Genesis 3 is known as the fall of man. That not living God's way brings us down all the time. But we have such hope because God is love and he sent his son. He sent his son so the fall could now be an up, a reverse, a restoration. That downward spiral could be reversed because we rise out of the tomb. The straitjacket is taken off and we get to live life to the full forever. To be forgiven and white as snow in the presence of our God. I wonder today, do you know life? to its fullest do you know the hope of christ are you truly set free before we sing our final song i want to end with a prayer two prayers in fact because some of you here may not know jesus at all as your lord and savior you have to become a christian you have to ask jesus christ into your life you have to say i've sinned and i've broken god's law and i am a broken person and i want to know the forgiveness that jesus died on the cross to give me you have to ask him into your life believing that he's god's son that he died and rose again now, i want to pray and give you a prayer that you can repeat in your heart to follow jesus perhaps for the first time this morning and then we're going to do a second prayer because some of you perhaps have been christians for years and still feel i've got it wrong somewhere And I want to simply do a little prayer of recommitment, a prayer of sorry as well in there, just to be right with God again. So will you bow your heads with me? And if you would like to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me in your heart, believing in your heart the things that we pray. Lord God, Lord God, I believe that you are real. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he came to this earth. I believe he lived and died. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe that he lives forevermore. Lord God, forgive me for things that I've done that I shouldn't. Forgive me for not living your way, for living my way. Oh, Jesus Christ, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please be in my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow you. Will you be my Lord and my King? In your name, amen. And just with our heads bowed, a prayer of recommitment for anyone that feels that they're not quite where they should be. So I urge you just to pray with me in your heart if you agree. My Lord and my God, Lord, you know me. You know that I've messed it up. You know that I've deliberately turned my back at times. You know that in places I've gone off the boil. You know, Lord, that I haven't been what you wanted me to be. And Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I ask forgiveness. I turn from my sin. Please be my number one again. Lord, show me the way through and the way forward. Fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord God, I thank you that even as I pray this, you are running to meet me, arms outstretched, And even though I'm not worthy, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Be near me, I pray, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen.